0: Do you know how powerful you are? Welcome to Rise Urban Nation. Welcome everybody to Rise Urban Nation. Reshaping and elevating your mindset to help you achieve what you believe. Sometimes we don't even see our own greatness. You can't be which you can't see and connecting black cultures to build a community of talent and success
1: black people need to realize that they are assets you are an asset when
0: we rise you rise come
1: together as a group
0: this a group. is rise urban nation with terrell simmons all right everybody welcome to another episode rise urban nation it's your host terrell simmons and i am a delighted ecstatic all of that good thing All of that good stuff Just to get this next guest to you Alex Waters He's an ecosystem builder And an innovation coach And he's also from my hometown, D.C. I feel like we've been on the wave of D.C. folks here lately, and I'm excited just because he's doing amazing things with entrepreneurs who need resources, training and realistic approaches to launching their business. And that's that's where he just comes from. Genuinely, in in his in his heart, and his work, he's a director of economic development and innovation at the Jacobs Center uh, for Neighborhood Innovation and he comes from that dmv like i said so if you were ever in dc university of maryland college park area he he started there then went from that to san diego state university if i'm not mistaken so i'm excited to introduce you to this brother and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation uh, with you enjoyed the conversation with him as much as i did other things that i want you to look forward to as you're listening to as you're connecting with us make sure you check us out we are now on youtube give us a like give us a follow and if you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe in on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast give us a comment share with people out there don't, don't know that rise Neighborhood, rise urban nation is in the building <laughs> so that they can get some of this this good info that you're getting as well without further ado let's get into the episode here's alex waters Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Rise Every Nation. I got my guy in the building. We finally made it happen. And when I say my guy, he's this is really my guy. Like he he come from the same area. And I didn't I didn't realize that me and you come from the same area until we had that Dude, one I conversation.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I was like, how did I not know that? That's crazy. Yeah, both from the DMV area. Wait, what, what part of the
0: DMV DMV area are you from?
1: So I'm from Maryland and PG County. So basically okay. all over PG County I lived. Uh, most of my life sort of growing up
0: yeah that's that's coming more dc now because i think all the people uh dc don't beat me up I, i'm quote i'm paraphrasing here they said they pushing all the people from southeast over to pg county and all in that area now so because they building up they gentrifying southeast san diego so not southeast san diego southeast dc
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's uh it- it's been interesting. I mean, like, obviously growing up uh, sort of around there, and a lot of the stuff they did near the stadium and then, like, sort of obviously in Anacostia, kind of going down that whole corridor, even up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all the way up past over there, like Iverson Mall and Temple Hills and some of the hey. stuff that they're building up around there. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, every time I go back, I was like, man, I remember when Chocolate City was... Chocolate City, now it's looking more like a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I I I spent a a few years just to elaborate on cuz we didn't get a chance to go further into it. Like I I grew up around Belford Towers then we moved to DC area after we got like, to Comer Park area. So okay. I went to school in Maryland for a little bit. Langley Park uh elementary school, okay. uh yeah. Hollywood Elementary School, then over to uh High Point High School for a little bit. I don't okay. know if you know that area. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: I'm a little bit uh, further south. Uh, so I grew up kind of around the Clinton area. Then we moved over to uh, Forestville. I lived in Bowie for a little bit of time Then moved back over. At the time I spent in Upper Marlboro, Camp Springs, Temple Hills. So kind of a little bit of uh, a little bit of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in sort of uh, the the PG County area.
0: What what got you out the the San Diego? I I I'm been meaning to ask you that.
1: Yeah. So uh, after I, I went to University of Maryland in College Park, uh-huh. uh, and then afterward took a little bit of time, about a year off, and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and then I came out to San Diego for grad school. Uh, uh-huh. So San Diego State. Yeah. And, and so
0: just like myself, we came out here. We we never looked back. Like palm trees. Yep. Check.
1: Weather check. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I was I was here for grad school, spent a couple of years here, and then I moved back to the Maryland area, and then actually lived in DC for about five years. And when I came back, I was like, "Man, why did I leave San Diego?" Especially when it got cold <laughs> and snow. like, what was I thinking? Like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. And then so years later uh, i decided to, to come back out to san diego yeah. so i didn't go back I, I went back briefly just
0: to help the parents out with some things but okay. like I, I i knew this was cuz i didn't i didn't want a career like i feel like for me either if you in the black community, you have a, a, a decent career either in politics out there and I didn't want, or government like so. so and, yeah. Yeah. and ironically, I did not want to do any of that <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, there. So I was like, all right, this is not the life for me. So I'm going I'm to stay out here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a lot, a lot of folks getting those government jobs uh, early. Uh, and I got mm-hmm. a lot of friends that are still around and they, they work it into our government jobs or contracting uh, with the government. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know you know all right so you know
0: uh now that we vibed out for a little bit for the people who don't know alex waters who are you like and you could go wherever you want to go with that question you could give them the the surface you could go a couple of layers deep I, I i i'll let you decide wait what you want to give the people who is alex waters
1: yeah i mean that's a this is a good question <laughs> i'm going definitely go a bunch <laughs> of different ways um I don't know. At my heart, I'm, uh, you know, just uh, a person that likes uh, collaborating with individuals to sort of build, whether it's programs, systems, uh, organizations. Uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. And I think there's a trend line through everything that I've done that's been around that. Right. People used to ask me, well, how do you decide on what it is you do? And it's like, ah, well, you know, I really just like doing cool things with cool people. Uh, and that has the, been the biggest kind of piece uh, with respect to, I guess, some of my interests and things like that. Uh, I studied philosophy, uh, so I really like kind of thinking deeply about real challenging uh, issues and different kinds of, um, I don't know, uh, answers. And some questions don't have answers, but really kind of taking that investigation uh, to its furthest uh, extreme. Uh, we already talked a little bit of East Coast transplant. So here in San Diego, loving the sunshine. Um yeah, I think that's that's kind of that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Man, you know, I would have thought you was like a business major or something of that nature, like or study no. uh, like philosophy. Now, how does yeah. how does philosophy lends itself to the work that you do? Like, how does how does that marry? Because I I have I could see a little bit of it, Mary. Like, but give me give me your your take on it. How you blend it into the work that you do?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I think I think there's two real big things that it it helps with. One is being able to look at a complicated problem that might not have a solution and then being okay with just kind of investigating, going down sort of the rabbit hole, so to speak, to come to a solution, right? And you know that it might take a bunch of different twists and turns, but being okay with that and where you wind up sort of uh, leading uh, yourself to. And then kind of uh, attached to that is really being able to kind of dig into the history of things. Uh, I think a lot of times there's sort of like this, um, uh, a historical context that people like show up and they think, okay, well, because I'm here in this particular point, nothing happened before me. Uh, and it's just from right now. And I think philosophy kind of teaches as you're kind of going back, it's like, you know, they say, but no idea is original. Right. And so there's always people out who are thinking about things, who are doing things, who are doing great uh, work, whatever field it winds up being that you're in. Uh, it just, you know, take some time sometimes to kind of find what is that thing that you can apply and how you can kind of put a bunch of things together to come up with something mm-hmm. that's going to work well. So that's how philosophy has kind yeah. of helped me.
0: You know, now I, I can get the connection between philosophy and entrepreneurship because, you know, uh, I, I kind of fell into entrepreneurship about, you know, five years ago in the startup scene. And then, you know, I've been in love with the process, right? And I was telling somebody the other day, you know, what I love about this other than out of all the jobs that I have that, you know, this is all about the process and I'm in love with the process. And it's always a process, whereas other jobs it's people fall in love with the outcome. So they chase the outcome mm-hmm. and not get married to the process. And so if, if you are trying to really build something great in entrepreneur, you have to be in love with the process. In the entrepreneurial world or startup world, you have to be in love with the process because that's going to take you on this journey that's going to eventually lead to an outcome. But you can't be married to that outcome before you fall in love with the process. Does that kind of make sense? I don't know. I know it sounds yeah, weird. Yeah, but... no,
1: no. Very very well said, because I think any anybody that's been around startups or small businesses or any kind of level of entrepreneurship, um, where people think they're going to wind up is very, very different from where they wind up. Right, and it is that you know. Sometimes it it can be depending upon what you're doing, depending upon where you are, a grind. Uh, And every day isn't awesome, Uh, but that process of getting up every day and kind of getting to it and say, okay, well, whatever happened yesterday, okay, I'm going to build on that. And it might be a big build that day or a small build. it might be a couple steps backwards, uh, but continuing uh, every single day to kind of move forward. Uh, I think that's a that's an awesome thing. And yeah, when people when people When people fall in love with doing that and then building stuff, I think Man. those two things collectively really make great entrepreneurs. Yeah, I love that.
0: Now, what what industry would you consider yourself in? Because I know you, you're a little bit in the nonprofit world, you're a little, little bit in the startup world. I feel like you're a little bit in entrepreneurship, a little bit in tech. Like, what? how do you, what do you call this industry that you're in? Or are you in a little bit of all of it? Like, how do you define this? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really know. I still have to like describe the people who know me really well. They're like, what do you do? Like, I don't really quite understand like <laughs> what are the parts of what you do and like, how do you have this part over here? And you work with these different companies across different spaces. Um, you know, I, again, I think it goes back to kind of the core, like the, what I do is just really trying to collaborate uh, to build something bigger than what exists right now and bigger than sort of myself. So it's like, how do you work with different people to be able to, you know, produce uh, a result that is going to be beneficial for all parties involved? Uh, yeah. So that, that's how I would describe it. But I think you're right. There, there's a little bit of a little sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there kind of and it. Yeah. Kind of fuses all together Yeah, because somebody was asking me like, what, wait,
0: like, I know, I know. What does he do again? I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask him when I interview him because I, I know he does a little bit of this, but I don't know what, it's like, well, what industry is he in? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I don't know if, because he's in a lot of different things. Yeah. Like, I told him, it's, it's it's almost like, what's homeboy from Martin? Everybody knew he had a job, but they never knew what he did. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. It's like, it's like, what do you do? And he's Tommy. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh. So, hey, take me on this journey of how you got into this space to where you're at right now as a philosophy major, like. How did you get here? Like, what, what was the journey like? Give me the story behind that.
1: Yeah. So uh, it it kind of started. So I was in, in school. I was doing stuff, uh, obviously, uh, philosophy when I was an undergrad. Uh I took some time off and had always thought about doing stuff, you know, maybe uh, business. I had a buddy of mine who was a, a writer and we had always talked about maybe uh, hey, we should do like a magazine. And like back in the day, I was like glued to the source magazine. Uh, when that was out, like that was like you get it in the cover, you read it seven thousand times the same <laughs> one until you get the next one the next month. Uh, we had talked about doing something like that. So there's always these kind of inklings at a cousin. We talked about doing like a comic book and all these. So there was different kinds of things that popped up that sparked like, oh, it could be cool to sort of like, you know, own something or own a business or work. Uh my dad had actually kind of dabbled a little bit into, uh, owning his own business. He had like this, uh, picture framing company, uh, and you know, the ups and downs of sort of that as well. Uh, and then when I came out to San Diego, I kind of got a little bit uh, around people who were doing a little bit of that, uh, at a very, very slight level. Um, then I moved back to DC and got into, uh, just by happenstance, I thought I was actually going to like be at this company for like six months and then like go travel the world. I was planning on teaching English someplace uh, and it was an ed tech startup. Uh, And I got there, there were about 50-ish people, a couple different offices. uh, And by the time I left, there were like 1,200. The company had IPO'd. So I saw on the inside of like what it looks like when a company is scaling and growing and the ups and the downs. Uh, And because of the position that I was in, uh, the department I was in, which is the student services, uh, they built, um, just to give it a little background, they built basically master's and doctoral programs for universities. Uh, oh, wow. But we were the first group, uh, first sort of uh, university that they partnered with, which was USC. Uh, uh-huh. And so I saw a lot of it. I got to you know, know personally a lot of the executives. And so you saw a little bit behind the business side of what they were doing, how they were talking, how they did deals, these different kinds of things. Uh, then moving out to um, San Diego, it really kicked into overdrive. Uh, okay. And I started really getting involved in sort of the startup community, the One Million Cups, Startup Weekend, Startup Week, uh, just kind of being everywhere. People like, hey, there's an event over here. Cool. I'll go check it out. I'll go check it out. Like, um, And that's really what kind of got me sort of on this pathway into working with you know businesses and from like the tech space to sort of the small business space. Um, over the years. So it it was really just, you know, showing up and being places, right? And just curious about how things worked and uh, tried by hand at at an ed tech startup with a co-founder, did everything wrong you could imagine uh, with respect to (laughs) trying to get that off the ground. Um, And that was really, like I said, really cemented like, oh, no, this is the space I'm going to be in. I I really want to work in sort of entrepreneurship and around entrepreneurs
0: nice i love it so uh, in retrospect to that like when you look at that journey uh what's one good lesson life has taught you in that journey uh, of all those ups and downs the mistakes you made or you see made in the startup when when it comes to you know startup life entrepreneurship or if you want to even give like a personal type of uh allude to you know one good life lesson that that works too was something that you really learned in that journey
1: yeah I think the biggest thing is just uh, being curious, showing up. Uh, That's the one of the biggest things, you know, especially, you know, when you are uh, going into spaces where just to be perfectly honest, like there might not be a lot of people that look like you, right. Might not be a lot of people of your background or anything, but like having to overcome that, whether it's anxiety or or worry that you're not going to sort of be a part of or fit in. um, I think just Just being there, being in the spaces uh, affords a lot of opportunity uh, because, you know, you know, this is the same as I do in in like a space like San Diego. You know, while when you first start out, you might not know people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take that long before you start seeing the same people everywhere all of the time, the same events, the same stuff. And that leads you to build relationships with people. Right. You build these relationships. Oh, hey, or what are you up to? Or what are you up to? Hey, how can we, you know, connect or, oh, hey, I heard about this thing you might be interested in. You know, uh, the other day I sent a buddy of mine uh, a link to uh, this program about uh, venture capital because I was like, hey, I saw this. You might be interested in it. I met him through doing those kinds of things and being in different spaces. So uh, I think just really showing up. Right. Just right. just going. If, you, if you're curious about something and you want to know about something, take the time. Uh, you know, it's not always convenient. So you have to make time for it. A lot of times, you know, after work, you might not feel like going to a startup event or a mixer. You're like, "Ah, I'll I'll get, just take the time and go. Uh, And I think people find that a lot of folks are receptive or a lot of people are in the same boat, right? You might think that everybody there is established and knows everything about everything. And a lot of times you get there and it's just like, you know, somebody else is like, Hey, this is my first time at this event too. And I don't really know anybody and I'm not sure I want to do this, but uh and you you find a lot of the camaraderie uh in that when you go into those spaces
0: yeah i love that showing up just showing up and just being places you know um backstory uh i don't think i've ever told you this but uh during my san diego workforce partnership days i, I remember we was doing a program a youth program uh and and it was some funding coming down from the mayor's office and i was out in the community doing some work i can't remember uh I was talking to, but it's like, oh, you know who you need to connect with? You need to connect with Alex. And then I think I heard that twice, but I hadn't met you yet. Uh and it wasn't until after I left uh Sandy with First partnership that I met you at the startup weekend and I was like, Oh, that's Alex <laughs> <laughs> So 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 It's true what you say about just showing up because like sometimes, you know, just showing up, people get to know you and then your name get mentioned in rooms, your feet probably haven't even touched. And so like I heard your name before I actually got the chance to meet you in person. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's
1: a big thing. You know, I tell everybody like just just go, just go and be around. Uh, And then the other thing I would would add to that, uh, which I think, you know, you do an amazing job of this is just being open to helping out. Right, a lot of times people are looking for, well, now I'm not going to volunteer for that thing because that's going to take me a bunch of time, and I can't see what the exact result is going to wind up being right now. Uh, But a lot of times when you volunteer for events or to help out or to even organize stuff, right, that's the that's a big one. You know, I mean, I got you know kind of a lot of um, opportunity to be around stuff, but then somebody was like, hey, you want to throw a host a. uh, startup weekend event, and I was like, oh man, I don't know last that, that seems like that's gonna be a lot okay. uh, but going through that process and doing it, like you meet all of these people and different mentors and coaches and orgs and uh and so it's it's a lot that that comes from that uh if you're just willing to kind of you know take some time and 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 really do it yeah okay. because i i mean the even to your point, that first startup weekend I attended i i
0: I wasn't in that space i i i think. It was somebody that was doing the event, and then somebody who's a Google rep, they said, hey, uh, we're trying to get more black and brown people here. You've been doing these, these programs in the community. Like, could we just market through you, and then could you share it with – and I was like, sure, I, I, I'll do it. And they was like, come to the event. Like, you've been helping us promote it. I was like, I don't know anything about startup world or, or tech stuff. There's like, oh, you know more than what you think. And then I attended I was like, oh, we do that in the
1: nonprofit world, but it's not called that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so much of that. Uh where people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't I don't know about this or that. It's like, it's the same thing. It's just in a different packaging uh in a different sort of area or environment. Yeah. Uh so Let's say uh,
0: you meet somebody who gets inspired by this or is a young, I'm, I'm going to do two, two ways. Let's start with the young kid first. The young kid okay. coming out of college, they hear your you interview, they're inspired. They want to, they you know, journey down this career pathway similar to yours. Like, what's some advice you would give to somebody like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say um, do the things that really uh, inspire you. I know there's a whole piece about sort of, um, you know, people say, well, you got to find the thing that is your passion and, and your, and I agree with that to a certain degree, right? There's still things where you have to be able to work and be able to live and do these things. And so that's really important. But if you can find things that really kind of, you know, uh, inspire you and you're excited about doing, it comes through, it shows up. So for folks that really want to do things, it's like, hey, I'm curious about this thing. I really like doing this thing. And I do this even though uh, I'm not getting paid for it. Uh If you can find some of those things and slowly start to dip your toe in the water with however much time you have, uh, start going down that pathway. Um, Because it's not an accident that when you see, you know, a lot of folks and a lot of successful people and they talk about when they first started out. And then they start naming individuals who they know. And all of those people at the same time are sort of rising through the ranks and doing things. Um, But you have to be able to uh, go out and and sort of just do those things that, you know, like I said, that inspire you. Um, The other thing I would say is, and I wish I had done this when I was a bit younger. uh, I did it to a degree because, you know, I I think uh, getting a degree in philosophy was not, I don't think, what (laughs) anyone had planned when I had on the school It's like hey i'm going to get a degree in philosophy people are like what are you going to do with that like what kind of job can you get i don't know. <laughs> like you know so uh, so there was a portion of sort of betting on myself but i would say look you know bet on yourself right like uh if you're willing to put the work in i think for most people uh you know they'll get a great outcome from just betting on yourself saying hey you know i want to do um you know business or i want to be a writer or i want to you know uh, whatever it is be a, a pilot or i want like just bet on yourself and be willing to put the work in as you are continuing to move forward i think is the biggest piece uh of, of advice uh that i've gotten from afar from people uh that has really served me well right when, so you know
0: to that uh when did you really start leaning into that of like you know going forth with just you know doing the things that inspire you and you're curious about and and, and really betting on yourself like when did you start doing that work and, and like what made how did you begin the process of becoming more comfortable with doing that or what what helped you solidify that as your your kind of mantra as you started to
1: maturing and, and get you know yeah. to where you're at now uh-huh. It was actually uh, is sort of a, an, a, a couple of events kind of, you know, dovetailed together. Uh, so I was working at the EdTech company. You know, I was kind of rising up the ranks. I had had a lot of responsibility, was building things, learning a lot. Um, and then there were a couple incidents there around sort of like, I didn't really feel like I was appreciated for the work that I was putting in. Uh, and it kind of became apparent to me that like, man, wait a minute, this, isn't, this doesn't feel right anymore. Uh, and so basically I went in and I had a plan, uh, I had saved up some money, uh, and I told them I was moving. I'm like, I'm moving to San Diego. Uh, and the company was like, what do you mean you're moving to San Diego? I was like, I'm moving to San Diego. Uh, if this job is available for me to keep, that's cool. But if not, then I'm just moving. Uh, and I had saved up a little bit of money. And so I was like, okay, uh, you know, I'll be good for some time, but if I need to, I'll just work. Like, I've been working since I was 15. I've had all kinds of different jobs. I don't have any issues with, you know, working. I worked at department stores. Even when I was in grad school, I left for a bit. I worked at a hotel front desk. Like, I, I didn't have any issue with sort of starting again. Uh, and I think that was the piece that where it really clicked, where I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll can, I, I'll, I'll be okay. I'm going to be all right. Regardless of what I do, I'm going to be okay. Uh, and I think that was that was the real part where it was like, yeah whatever I decide to do, I'm going to be okay. It might take me a while to get to where I want to be, but that's okay. Um, You know, as long as I got a roof over my head. Look at you now, sir. Look at you now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, you know that that gives a,
0: a good a good uh intro to like because i often tell people like it's not it's not where you start it's how you finish and then sometimes people feel like as soon as they get out of college they have to land that you know that 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 job that they're supposed to land it doesn't always happen like that um uh, and and everybody you know well mostly everybody has humble beginnings some people may not but you know yeah. for the most part nobody starts off with the with with the the dream job or that 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 entry-level j- career job what what was your first job uh just to just to go back and give everybody that 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 mental caption because i know you said you you not you not a stranger to working the nine to five yeah. so
1: what was your first job <laughs> uh so first job I was like a kid or when i got out of school first w2 job ever Okay. First job I ever I was actually a telemarketer. Uh yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a tele, I was a telemarketer. We uh um I was working at this company and it was like, you know, the, it basically how you would envision sort of a telemarketing space. I was trying to get a job. I literally I was at high school. Uh you know, you fill out applications. I filled out applications everywhere. Uh, you know, the grocery store, uh, you know, fast food places, every and I I couldn't get a I couldn't find anything, and then a buddy of mine found this gig and they were paying was it five fifty an hour and it was more than people were paying because I think the, the other jobs were like five fifteen I was like yes I want that I showed up talked to them they're like yeah sure you work and we literally called people to see if they wanted to refinance their homes and that was the first job that I got where I was like working I go after school you walk I walk through it on uh, weekends. And that was, that was the first, my first sort of real kind of job. Wow. I would have never guessed that,
0: but you know, yeah. now that you're talking, I can see that telephone voice. You may have called me a couple, I'm just no, no. What's some things that you learned from that first job? Did you? Did, was there any lessons that you feel that
1: you take you took away from that first job of what you want to do or don't want to do? Uh yeah. I mean, I, so one of the biggest lessons that I took away from it was that like even though you may not want to do something or you may feel a little nervous about doing something, most of the times it's not as bad as you have made it out in your head. You know, I was yeah. like, man, I gotta call people. And I'm like bothering people. It's in the evening. They're eating dinner. Like this is going to be awful. People are going to be like angry and mad and like, and you just realized in that particular case with telemarketing, it was like, you know, you just, you make your calls and, you know, and, and then the first time you get somebody that's like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Here's my information. And you're like, what? Wow. You gave me your information. Like, this is amazing. Uh, and you know, you would do the whole thing and like, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of times it, it's what people are fearful of. It's way worse in their head than sometimes what's going to wind up being, especially in the context of a job, right? So whether somebody's trying to make a sale, or they're doing some outreach, or they're trying to, you know, connect with a um, an organization to help with what they're doing. Like a lot of times, people have that, and that uh, I think at a young age taught me that. It's like, yeah, you can do yeah. this. Like you could, you can do this. And you just got to keep keep at it. Yeah. I think fear is uh, often one of the
0: crutches that, that often keeps a lot of people in the spaces that they're in and they, they, they don't overcome. But you know, since we're at, here at Rise Urban Nation, I like to, I like to put a new meaning to fear. And I, I use this acronym. I can't remember where I got it from, but it stands for fear, face everything and rise. Yeah, I like face that. I love that. That's awesome. rise. Yeah. So, so don't let the fear cripple you. Like yeah, don't run from the, the pain and fear run toward, and then there's going to be a valuable lesson in there that you can learn, and you can use that to catapult to the next stage of life, wherever that may be, yeah. left or right. Okay. <laughs> um, and and that's that's often what entrepreneurs do. They they're like, look, we gotta we gotta tackle the problem. We gotta go full steam ahead so we can find a solution that
1: gets us to the next stage, <laughs> yeah. Whatever that yeah. may I mean, be. You know, and a lot of times, you know, like you were saying before, like you you don't you don't know where that is going. Right. You just know, I, I gotta, I gotta start moving this way and you may have to double back and go the other way later on, but you just have to kind of move forward. Um, you like, okay, I, I gotta take care of this one thing now. And hopefully, you know, the, the you know, the pathway will, um, you know, present itself and it'll be much clearer as you kind of keep moving forward. That's a great acronym. I like, I like that. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's go the other way with it. Let's say you meet somebody
0: who's in that dead end job. They've been in it for a minute. They they don't like it. This telemarketing thing ain't for me, but I, you know, <laughs> we talking all this mumble jumble here. They're like, all right, let me see what can I what can I get into. I like I like what Alex been talking about. I've been seeing them doing some stuff in the community. Him and Terrell. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to hit in that wavelength with some some advice you would give to somebody like that?
1: Uh, to one, reach out to people. Uh, you know, I've I've done, you know, a few different podcasts. I speak places. I give people freely my cell phone number and email address. Uh, reach out to the individuals that you wind up seeing that you say, hey, I might want to do that, right? I think people are surprised by how willing people are to give them information and details, right? Like just something quick where it's like, Hey, can I meet with you? Sure. You know, I'll take some time. Like we can chat, we can chop it up, like, and just talk about, okay, well, this is where my realm is. If you're interested in this, then you might want to do these three or four things. And then here, talk to this person, go here and chat with this individual. Uh, But a lot of times people won't do it. Again, I think it goes back to kind of that fear thing again. Right. I know me personally, when I was younger, the same kind of thing, right. People would offer like, yeah, Come by and talk to me or, you know, come 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 to my office and chat. I'd be like, I'm not gonna do that. Like I don't I don't know what to say. I don't have a pitch down. I don't really know like and a lot of times it, it is really people who are trying to help just give you some information because then you can make that determination for yourself, whether it is something that you wanna do. Um, and I've been really lucky there's been a lot of great people over the course of my lifetime who have just, you know, taken the time. Uh and then I really got hit to it when I was Uh, going into grad school where my entire demeanor shifted, where it was like, oh, no, you got an office hours. I don't have anything to talk about. So I'm going to show up outside your office. And then if there wasn't a student that was there that like had an actual thing with a class or whatever, I would just sit down and be like, okay, how did you get to where you are? I don't know if this is what I want to do or not, but I'd love to hear your story and uh, I'm paying for it. So you got some time to chat with me. Uh, so I would I would do that a lot, uh, and that really helped sort of me get more information and details. And I carried that on until when I started working in companies. I was just, what do you do? How, like, what is that? How, what 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 does that day to day look like? And then I could start to figure out. Eh, actually, that doesn't sound great. I don't really think I want to do that. Oh, this sounds really cool over here. Okay. Are there ways that I can learn more? Is there a book that you would recommend I read? Is there some event that I can go to that you think that would work well for me to start to learn more about it and just gather as much information as possible? And then that helps you make that decision. So you don't feel like you're just kind of, you know, jumping out with no information whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You're like in a job you don't like. Okay, well, I want to be an accountant. Well, if you don't know anything about being an accountant and you're not an accountant right now. It is going to be really scary if you're just like, okay, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to go be an accountant. It's like, well, what are the steps? What are the stages? How can you sort of formulate a plan to be able to do it?
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and I, I must say, I'm uh, I'm gonna give Alex kudos here. I love to give people their flowers when I see him. You know, he's been that dude in the community that anytime you need something, he got it. He's willing to give you advice. When me and Louis won um, Startup Weekend, Luis Martinez, uh, yeah. I, I remember us connected with you at a coffee shop. I don't know if you were there already or, or how that happened. I think we were just passing through. And we saw yeah. you. You gave us a whole bunch of free game. And we were able to use that to to, you know, move the needle on some things. Even now, when we reconnected, I was like, yo... I gotta interview you and all your your black entrepreneurs. He was like, Yes, let's make it happen. I was like, okay, yeah. that was easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I think a lot of times, you know, uh I, I often tell this, and I tell this to entrepreneurs as well, right? And you know this because you do a lot in terms of helping people and giving back. People who do that and who wanna do that, it's not because it's like, oh, well, I'm doing it because I hope I get something back. It's like hey, I really like being able to be like, hey, I learned this thing. And like, hey, can I can I share it with someone, right? And that's a great feeling to be able to help someone along the way, even if it's just a little small thing, you know, telling them about some little event or something here uh, can can really be awesome. And it's a good feeling, right? Like people do it. It's like, hey, it's a great feeling to be able to be like, oh, I learned this thing. Hey, you should really know this thing because it might help you. Might not, but I, I really want to share it with you. Uh, and so when we don't ask, for help, or when we don't ask people about stuff, we actually are uh, sort of uh, eliminating them the opportunity to be able to partake in it. I heard a great interview. I, f- I forget the the founder's name, uh, but it was one of the the guys who uh, founded LegalZoom, uh, and he was saying a lot of people when they're starting their business, you know. And this is an interesting case because obviously he had some family that that uh, you know had some money that could invest, and that's not everybody's scenario. But he was yeah. saying that the the thing that was interesting was. He's like a lot of people don't ever want to go to people who are close to them to sort of ask for help, uh, especially with like businesses or different kinds of things like that. He was like, but what if you're eliminating the opportunity for them to also be a part of your journey and be a part of the success that you have when you get to where you want to get to? And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting thing to think about right? Like you might be removing that opportunity for somebody who really is excited or wanting to help or wanting to do something that's going to help somebody along the way uh, and be a part of the journey that someone's taking. Yeah,
0: that is so true. And and I think when you allow people to the option to be opt-in and be a part of the journey they not only do they receive growth from it but you get to grow with that individual together so you don't have to go back and reach for the person because they're right there in the journey with you right and so i I love that i love that thought um and it builds up the community it builds up the the tribe the village you want to have absolutely you know the people around you who are who can have a the, the mindset to help you get through those different Obstacles that you may face, or at least be in that same wavelength.
1: A hundred percent, yeah, I completely
0: agree. So, you know, I'm looking at the the San Diego landscape because I see so much going on, Uh I feel like you're the right person to tap into this. You know, the I see the the biotech space really about to take off. They they building this whole massive center downtown. I'm seeing more, more. Uh, I think tech people come in to San Diego. It looks like the old Bay Area tech people are just some people just getting tired. It's too expensive, whatever, and, and they're starting to make their way out here. What do you think the future looks like for San Diego when it comes to this startup and tech, you know, thing that we got
1: going here? I think there's a one. There's just a lot of opportunity. So you're right. There's a there's an immense amount of money that is uh, dumping into biotech, even bigger startups. The way that it's working with the capital markets is there's so much money, like they can't figure out like exactly where to put it. And so that's why you keep hearing about these funds and the funds are getting larger and larger and larger and larger. Uh, even people who have never raised funds before, before they might have started with, you know, a $5 million thing. And now it's like, oh, we raised $50 million to invest in businesses. And there's there's a lot that people are looking to, to deploy uh, kind of capital wise. But I think that there's uh, some interesting ways to to take advantage of that um, in things that aren't, I would say, sort of like ancillary to the specific kind of thing, right? So somebody might say, okay, well, there's a biotech company and that biotech company is, you know, uh, well, I'm not into biotech. You know, I do manufacturing. It's like, okay, well, do you manufacture stuff for biotech companies? Because that might be a good space to sort of move into uh, if you know that the region itself they're doing things. Right. I was talking to somebody the other day and this is uh, was related to like, uh, you know, uh, being sort of more uh, ecologically friendly and things like that. And they were saying, well, the science industry is never going to get away from plastics because you need pipettes and all these different kinds of things and petri dishes and all these. Thi-. And you think about that, but like, sure, the billion dollar company is there, but they're buying stuff from somebody. Right. They're buying these things from individuals. They're purchasing stuff where. So I think a lot of times what happens with the tech spaces, we often it's important, but there's a lot of things that are around a lot of those tech spaces that wind up being really interesting. And the entry points to getting into those things is not as high as it needs to be for you to start your own biotech company. But you can create businesses that are going to be very successful that are a part of the sort of system as a whole. Uh, And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, And then also um, getting in on the sort of the wave of being able to build without having to have that massive uh, technological barrier of needing to be, you know, this high flight coder to build stuff. Like there are so many tools out now to be able to put something together that you can work, that you can you can figure out stuff, you can create. You know, I mean, so many people use things like Shopify, where it's like before <laughs> how much money it would have cost you to develop your own e-commerce store and deal with all these different kinds of things. And like, nope, I don't have to do that. I can go literally, you know, take a, a low-cost class, or Shopify even does their own trainings now because it helps them uh, with with money that comes in. So uh, I think there's a there's a there's a great amount of uh, of opportunity. Uh, that's here in San Diego and it's starting to move into some different spaces. You have the biotech. Now The software is becoming a bit bigger. You have uh, what I think is actually a really interesting space that is massively untapped, which is like logistics uh, and uh, transportation Mm -hmm. warehouses. Like, you know, we don't think about all the stuff that actually comes into the country through San Diego. Uh, But if you go to OTOT, like there's tons of warehouses out there There's tons of stuff, you know, trucks moving back and forth. Uh, You know, I used to catch a train back from L.A. I was doing some work up there. And, like, you would see these trains full of cars that are coming up uh, because they, you know, produce them down in Mexico. And then they bring them all the way up to L.A. and Like, there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff sort of in that space. Um, But it's not a – it's for a lot of people, it's not as exciting as, Mm -hmm. hey, I built an app that will do something. It's like, oh, well, yeah, well, you're just in, like, trucking like, yeah, okay, well, that, that's a space that is, is, is going to rapidly need uh, new systems and new uh, ways to do things that are much more efficient. Because when you look at some of those spaces, um, they're still doing, you know, paper and pencil uh, or pen, whatever, right. and log books to be able to do stuff, right? And so if you can figure out ways to, you know, get a little slice of that Uh, it's it's a great opportunity for folks. So
0: true. So true. Um, And then if you think, uh, if you couple that with what's been happening in the market lately, uh, that the supply chain market where things getting stuck at ports, the, the the crates are more yeah. expensive now. Um yeah. to to for shipping and shipping costs and expenses. So you have to really be strategic about your, your order placement, what orders you need, the, the part the raw material parts that you need to, to get over here because that all inflation and, and backlog has caused a whole disruption in the game for everybody. So if anybody can find yeah. their way into the game, just that that Slither. Whew like I think you wanted something there, Um, uh, So that's that philosophy yeah. mindset working, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, another thing I do like that you 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 point out too, um, which is a, a is a great point is um, just you know when you look at what it used to cost uh for you know just the e-commerce platforms and and, and all that stuff, the point of entry is is. Much more or less expensive and more attainable, and I think a lot of people don't realize and recognize that. Especially people who are not in the industry like like we are. Um, you know, shout yeah. out to one of our sponsors, Taylor Brands. Like I, I remember when oh, I found yeah. out how much their website and the whole actually the whole business setup. They got everything from the LLC to the trademark. Everything you could do, everything through through their site. And the cost of it, I was like, wait, this is it? Like, that's all it costs? I was like, man, this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are y'all affording this? <laughs> and so, so the, yeah. the, the entry level is just, it's a very low barrier entry point than it was before. Um, so people, if you have great ideas, you know, start chasing that that idea and see how you can make it into reality. You'd be surprised on what you can make happen and and then the amount of opportunities and funding that's out there that could, you know, really turn that that idea, that passion into a dream. So, yeah. And the programs that are out yeah. there to help and you one know.
1: thing I was, oh, I'm sorry, I, I was no, like, talking to somebody the other day. And this is one thing that I really uh, think is, is important. Um, a lot of times, especially this sort of phrase, uh, you know, lifestyle business, it's almost like when people hear it, especially around the tech space, they kind of look down upon it. Right, and they say, "Oh well, yeah, that's fine." But you're building like a little lifestyle business. And it's like, well, one billion-dollar companies are very rare. I know people hear about them all the time, but they're still amazingly rare based on all the different kinds of companies that happen. And if you build a business that affords you the lifestyle that you want, why is that a bad thing? Like, why is that looked at as like a negative kind of thing? Uh, and it, it's, it's pretty prevalent in sort of the startup space uh, where people will be sort of dismissive of if you're not trying to build, uh, you know, a company that's going to be worth, you know, $40 billion, that it's not uh, important. But if you build a company that's worth a million dollars, that's really impressive, right? Like, and I think we, uh, the hope over time is that we sort of like normalize just people having success right? Like, and whatever form that winds up taking and whatever shape that is. So while there's a lot of opportunities, sure, if you want to go build an empire, awesome. Take what you can and, and go build it. If you want to build a business where you're able to take care of yourself and your family, and you have some employees and you take care of them and you treat them well, like, that should be looked at as like an amazing thing. And we need more people to want to be able to do that as well. Yeah, I,
0: I absolutely agree. I know plenty of, you know, quote unquote, lifestyle companies that, that, you know, average an income of a half a million dollars or less, or maybe like even like a simple one that, that operates on 250,000 and may have two employees and the rest are like, you know, just subcontract work just to work on little yeah. things within their business and it forced them to the lifestyle to live a, a, an amazing life, an abundant life where they can travel, they can they can get off when they want to get off, and they can do the things they want to do. And I don't think there's no shame in that. Like, you know, if... if if my business w- was at that level, I, I'd be, I'd probably be here, but no, actually I just love, I'm passionate about helping the community. So, I mean, I'll still be living the lifestyle, but I'll, but yeah. I'll still be out in these streets doing stuff. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I probably won't vacation as much as other people, but you know, but because I'm still doing the things that I love, which still
1: affords me the, the lifestyle yeah.
0: that, that I want.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I think it, it's a, uh, I don't know. That's one big thing that I I want to be able to say more more through, you know, any of the times I talk to people or with the entrepreneurs that I work with. It's like we have to get this idea out of our heads that it's like, you know, billion dollar company or bust. Right. Right. That's if that's what you want to do and that's where you want to go. Great. But if you don't, then, you know, having success is really about what people feel for themselves as success not what someone externally says you're supposed to because you're in a startup space or, you know, you're building a business.
0: Why do you, why do where do you think that comes from? Where does that culture come from of like, you have to raise this money. You have to, you have to sell at this round. Um, Where does that culture come from? Like is, I I don't even know how that even got started or how that became a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so so a part of it is the mechanisms of how sort of venture capital works Uh, uh, where, you know, if I invest in you and I give you, a, you know, half a million dollars and I need a 10x return or a 20x return, then, yeah, you got to grow your company to be really large. Yeah. Um, but I think what's happened is a lot of folks are sort of veering into that venture capital space where they have no intention of ever wanting to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds good on paper, but a lot of people would never want to have a thousand people that work for them. I, that's not something that everybody wants. Right. Uh, and so if you don't, then sort of right sizing the expectations around what it looks like um, in terms of how capital works and how people are looking for it. So I think that's a that's one of the things that kind of sometimes people aren't really aware of exactly how it works, where it's like, uh-huh. yeah, if I if I borrowed money from somebody else, basically, which has happens in VC and uh-huh. they're already wealthy and they could just stick it in the stock market and get 8 percent returns for 10 years. But I tell them I'm going to give them greater returns that I need to push you to be able to build a really big business and sell it or IPO it so I can get my money and give them their money back. Because if I just give them the half a million that they gave me 10 years ago back, I've lost them money. And that's Mm -hmm. not a space that people want to be in. But again, I don't think a lot of times it necessarily gets explained in that kind of way to people who are looking for investment. It's like somebody gives you an investment, yeah. you know, unless it's a, you know, a person who just is a family member, doesn't care about their money. They they want a sizable return back. And so there's certain things you have to do to be able to get that. Um, yeah, I do think, you know, this this the new economy that we're
0: in now with the increase of inflation, the way the stock market's going. And then, you know, looking at diversity, equity, inclusion in the VC space is causing us to hopefully it's everybody's starting to have new conversations on you know having a a healthier culture around this because i don't think the way of 10x returns is is the sustainable way to really go anymore we have to start looking at you know you know 10x returns in three to five years that's that's going to be nearly impossible especially in this market so either if you're trying to get those type of numbers to even get to seven and eight you might have to hold a couple more years or when can we normalize two to three X returns, you know, and and have healthy growth and have diversity in the company and have like all these different things that really help companies thrive and sustain in the long run, right? When can we have yeah. those conversations?
1: Yeah, I mean, and there, there, there's art a little bit, and you have uh, companies that invest in, in, Groups and organizations that is around sort of like stakeholder capitalism and these cooperative models uh, of investment that say, hey, look, uh, you know, the return is not uh, specifically in monetary amounts, right? It's in how you treat your employees, it's how you grow. What are the different kinds of things that you're doing to impact your community? Uh, and so there are some folks that are out there uh, with capital who are trying to sort of do some of those things. And there's a couple of innovative models, but yeah, I, I agree. I think. I think that's really where you know a lot should be, a lot more money should be focused uh, yeah. because I, I really do think that that's a that's an important space to for all of us to want right. I want businesses that like care about their employees and want people to be healthy and want to have inclusive environments where you know everyone is welcome and at the table and getting opportunities right. Like I want that. So if you're telling me that when you invest in a company that that gets thrown out of the window like that it's not okay for me. Right. I want to make sure that they are also thinking about that versus just returning you cash back. Yeah. And and I'm going to even throw this out there.
0: I'm going to go on a limb and say for those individuals who don't care about all that stuff and they care about just the, 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 investment, the money and all that stuff. Here's a kicker for you. If you invest in people like that and you care about diversity, equity inclusion within that company, First, you're going to come out with a better product because you have diverse voices at the table that will improve and expand that product to the masses, which is going to get you those 10x returns. You're going to create a culture where people are just loving work and they're going to come up with and they're not going to be stressed out and they can come up with innovative ideas to grow and expand, create different tentacles and legs to the company that's going to create 10 next growth. So the, it, it, it's kind of like, if that's what you want, you have to like lean into this because this will get you that. Like they like they, they kind of coexist together. At least to yeah, me. I, I completely
1: <laughs> agree. I mean, yeah. in, in all of the, you know, statistics and the data and the years of research have sort of proven that, you know, companies that, are more diverse, like over year, over year, over year, they produce better results, they produce better outcomes, you know, they have longer time frames when people work there. Uh, a real hidden thing that no one kind of talks about uh, that I think is an interesting thing is the amount that it costs when you have an environment and you have, you know, an employee, uh, specifically sort of diverse employees who are in companies who are really smart and who are able to do great work that leave because they don't feel like the environment is conducive to them, and it doesn't support them or appreciate them. Right, the amount of money that companies have to spend to replace that kind of talent, uh, it's a lot. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think anybody. Well, I can't say anybody. There are a lot of people who are doing some great work in DEI and trying to help some these companies do this. But that's a real thing. Like it's, it's a real piece of people. They're like you know what, this is. This ain't for me. I'm I'm just leaving it. When they leave, all that institutional knowledge goes with them, all that ingenuity Mm -hmm. goes with them to the next company or place, or a lot of people, they kind of start their own thing.
0: Yeah, And that's if they leave on like decent terms if they That's leave true. on ugly That's terms true. then lawyers get involved and then, so you have very to true. you have yeah. to do a little settlements and then you have to do the whole recruitment process to get somebody new and you don't get the institutional knowledge so <laughs> yeah. it, it's double the cost. So, so so yeah there's a lot of yeah so um Yeah, I'd be interested to see, you know, more conversations had around that and and see what that space looks like. What do you think the space looks like specifically for people of color? Because I see more, you know, since George Floyd, we see more initiatives happen for like people really donating time, money, energy, strength programs into uh, people of color to to get into the space. Um, when you look at it from your your lens, what do you see and and what do you feel the future looks like for us in this in these different spaces?
1: So i I think the initial sort of reaction from a lot of sort of whether it's big corporations, entities, philanthropic sort of areas um, was a really good one. And I think for a lot of times it came from a genuine place. What I will say though is this isn't something that just started then. So the funds, the money, the programs have to have a lens and a longer lens in just 18, 24, 36 months. Like we didn't get to this point in 18, 24, 36 months. So like, what are the initiatives that are going to be 10, 15, 20 years? Uh, And that is what, that's kind of a little bit of my uh, concern is that for some of these programs that launched. OK, and, you know, you know, we come up in because a lot of them are three year, four year, five year initial. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to re-up and give another five years, another 10 years to being mm-hmm. able to make sure that it keeps going? Um, yeah. that's, that's my only kind of concern, um, because, again, I, I think that a lot of times it came from genuine places. But are they going to keep that same uh, desire? Are they going to keep that same, you know, um, willingness and wantingness to help when they're not under the microscope, uh, because it was okay. you know at that time you know the the temperature got turned up on a lot of companies and they were like wait a minute we got to do mm. something because you know uh, there's a lot going on and people are demanding that we do stuff. But when that voice kinds of doesn't it doesn't quiet down, but it isn't as sort of amplified uh, in those some of those circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you still as excited? To be able to, you know, provide those opportunities, provide those checks. And then the other piece where I think is it's not just the the money, it's also the knowledge and the connections, Mm. Um, Mm. because over time, you know, you need a lot of money, a lot of money if you're going to sort of just use money as the catalyst to be able to do things. But really what people need is information details. And so for companies that are interested in getting into the space, it is that like, hey, okay, cool. You can cut a check, but how about you bring some of your engineers down and like really dig in and teach people how to do some of these things and not just for one cycle. How about you make a you know 15 year commitment that we are committed to having our developers and our engineers and, and the people who to work with these high schools or with these early stage entrepreneurs and it's going to be for the next 15 years. And we're just going to do it. Mm-hmm. That to me is where the real sort of change starts to happen for like legacy, like yeah. long term. Because then you're dealing with generations and generations of people who are being able to get that information, those details and that knowledge.
0: I love that. I love all of that. And 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 uh, as we would say in the black community, for all of that y'all that pledge, gave money, time, efforts, energy, keep that same energy 15 yeah. years, 20 35, 45, 55 years from yeah. now. And, you know, it, it's going to be an ongoing process. We know it's, it's not a perfect, but stay in community, stay in communication. If you need help, holla holler at your boy, Alex. Uh, uh, you can even holler at me. I'll introduce you to Alex if, if you don't got <laughs> Alex's number. And we can work on something. Between me and him, I'm pretty sure we can, his philosophy brain, my EDI brain, I, I'm I'm sure we can coordinate something.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's the real thing, and I I'm, you know for anybody who's, who hears is listening, like I I want to make sure that we're able to be able to to do more. Like, what are the other mm-hmm. programs? What are the other things? How do we sort of you know continue to build and using the assets that already exist to then continue to move forward at the next level? And I told somebody this before. It's like it's really important, you know me included like nobody is beyond sort of reproach with things so like if there's something that comes up you're like hey man you're not doing the thing that you said that you were doing like the accountability piece is really important and i think that everyone should you know welcome it right like Mm -hmm. okay what's going on how are these things going well you said you were doing this but it didn't kind of okay how do we reset and make sure that we get on the right pathway sort of moving forward
0: yeah love that love that um so Let's wrap it up like this. Uh, I feel like me and you could talk forever, but uh, you know, I try to keep these a drive time. So, um, <laughs> or what used to be a drive time. <laughs> oh, what projects are you currently working on, and, and where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so currently uh, I'm at the Jacob Center for Neighborhood Innovation, uh, and we're working on one our uh, business accelerator mm-hmm. uh, program that we have there. Uh, in addition to our business resource center. Uh, and you can find out information at uh, Connect All the Jacob Center, uh, SD.org. Um, but I think the next phase is like, okay, well, what is the 2.0 version of that? What is the next area that we're sort of moving into? And we're kind of working on some things and thinking about, well, what does it mean for us to be able to have our space, which we're on the second floor of Jacob Center be more of a community space. So for entrepreneurs to be coming in and working in different things and organizations to be coming in and providing not only space, but really this um the term I read one time is called like these collisions. Right. So when somebody mm-hmm. who's working on something meets somebody else who's working on something, like a part of the secret sauce that happens, especially in tech in areas that no one talks about, is it isn't just the individual that starts something and then immediately becomes a success it's the actual engagement with other individuals that have tried four or five other things. And then collectively they come together and then they do the thing that hits it out of the ballpark, right? Because Mm -hmm. you have this sort of space where this energy is happening and there's a constant sort of influx. Uh, And it happens all over communities in a lot of different areas and spaces, but I really want to be able to make sure uh, the Jacob Center is able to do that and is able to build that over time. I know we're coming out of kind of covid uh, you know, we just talked about sort of some of the events and physical space and where people are. Uh, but as we sort of emerge a little bit from that, how do we make sure that those kinds of things are happening and occurring Um yeah.
0: So that, that's really what we're working on. Uh, I love that. I love it. that. And he's invited me to that space and yeah. I hope to be in that space doing podcasts there in person and amplifying yeah. all the amazing work that's coming out of there and do some crash course collision, whatever it would be for Rise and the and the folks that we, we tend to uh, I, 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 I want to use a better word than Clash, but I can't think of another one right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: anyhow, Alex, my man, my brother, uh, I appreciate you. I thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Just uh wealth of knowledge. Uh, such a humble dude, always willing to give, and I, and I appreciate you for that. Um, I applaud all the work that you're doing. Um, for those who are listening, if you don't have his contact information, don't worry. I'm going to get all the links from him and uh, put it into the show notes. Any last words of wisdom for the people, Alex, before we head out?
1: Uh, yeah, so I always do this anytime I'm, I'm here, and I, I really do mean like reach out. Uh, you can email me, uh, awaters at JacobCenter.org or you can call. I still have an old DC number. I never changed it back over for when I was living in DC for a while. 202-595-4216. Oh, wow. You got the 202 number still. I I switched over. I'm sorry. (laughs) I still still got the the 202 number. But yeah, but like, uh, I'm happy to chat with anybody about entrepreneurship or any of the things that I can help. And if I can't help Uh, You know, we can try to figure out what are different resources or just being able to, you know, share what information might be out there for people. Awesome.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that. Alex Waters, ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Rise Urban Nation. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rise Urban Nation. Thank you for taking the
1: journey. Be sure
0: to like, comment, and smash that subscribe button. And stay connected with Terrell on and off the show. Follow at Rise Urban Nation on all platforms. Do what you love, love what you do. Don't chase the money and let the money chase you.